0: You're listening to the Legal Skinny podcast with Trisha Barita. I'm a 16 year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law and leadership topics, company leaders like CEOs, managers, and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find a little more information on this and a little more information on that? Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there. But sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people only have 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to company leaders. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Legal Skinny Podcast. Well, I feel like I should just stop numbering these episodes on vaccines because it's going to get silly at some point, because, of course, today we're back with another edition of the saga of vaccines for employers, uh, which is entitled Should Employers Mandate Vaccines Part 4? Now, if you want to touch back on the earlier episodes, I did this, the last three parts of this um, were done on Episode 62, 33, and 29. And in Episode 62, I talked about President Biden's announcement that He would be using the power of OSHA to mandate vaccines or require weekly testing for all private employers with 100 or more employees. In that episode, I talked about the potential legal challenges and the power of OSHA. So if you want to hear my initial thoughts on all of that, go back and revisit 62 because I'm not going to be repeating all of that here. But back then, I didn't have the actual rule because it hadn't been drafted into final form um, or released for publication. But today I've got it, so let's chat about it. All right, so this week on November 4th, 2021, OSHA officially announced the COVID-19 Vaccination and Testing Emergency Standard, or ETS for short, And, and then they officially published it in the Federal Register on November 5th, 2021. So today I'll be talking a lot about the ETS, and while there is, you know, potentially multiple emergency temporary standards out there by OSHA, this is the one that I'm going to be focusing on for this episode. So, um, but obviously for anyone that's, um, you know, (laughs) living under a rock (laughs) about this, uh, just kidding, or for anyone getting up to speed, uh, this emergency temporary standard that I'm talking about, again, is obligating those private employers with 100 or more employees to require that vaccine. Um, for COVID nineteen or weekly testing, and also has masking requirements for those unvaccinated employees. So even though we know there's legal challenges um, that have been uh, stated would come for the ETS, um, these challenges, you know, whether and when they'll be resolved doesn't really help as much when employers are trying to prepare for compliance, and so. I'll be talking about some of the highlights of this ETS. And, you know, all the requirements of the ETS, other than the testing for unvaccinated employees, will become effective 30 days after publication in the Federal Register. So remember, I just said it got published November 5th, 2021. So the requirements that are not talking about the testing for unvaccinated employees that, um, every other requirement that's that's in there um, is effective December 5th, 2021. For example, in this OSHA ETS, it requires covered employers to ensure that all unvaccinated employees working in person begin wearing masks by December 5th, 2021. And then um, they would then have to provide a COVID-19 test on a weekly basis beginning January 4th, 2022. So you see we're dealing with two timeline deadlines there, right? There's a lot to unpack in this ETS rule by OSHA, but before I slide in and talk about all of that, I wanna note two other issues that are out there in case they may apply to you. So there's an issue for uh, requirements out there for employers that are subject to federal contractor requirements. And there's also issues and uh, requirements out there uh, for employers that are in the healthcare industry with the federal contractor requirements they all fall under an executive order that was issued September 9th 2021 and that deadline for the compliance has been moving um most recently just moved again um the there has there's a whole set of compliance requirements and testing requirements but um They just moved the part about the vaccine requirement for the federal contractors, the White House did, from December 8th, 2021, to now January 4th, 2022. No, that's the same date I just told you, the OSHA ETS that we'll be going over today is also requiring compliance in that way. Um, And the only thing I'll say there is that, while you you need to, if you fall under federal contractor subcontractor requirements, um, make sure that you're following all the protocols, Um, because it does not extend all of the safety protocol requirements. It's just extending the piece about the vaccine requirement to that January 4th, 2022. Because remember, if you're not in compliance and you fall under federal contractor requirements, you risk your ability to bid, you risk your ability to hold on to those federal contractors, or worse, getting penalized and having that on your record, which can, of course, affect whether or not you get future contracts. So that's the, that's just a touch on that but then there's the other category of employers in the healthcare industry who and they kind of are falling into two separate designations of protocols um one if you're in if you're a medicare or medicaid provider or one if you're a non-medicare a non-medicaid provider and support services so if you're a non-medicare or medicaid Uh, provider and support services, you're falling under an OSHA emergency temporary standard that was issued back in June 2021. And the protocols and requirements related to the COVID-19 vaccine and testing and, and safety protocols all in that emergency temporary standard. If you're a Medicare Medicaid provider, then lucky you. <laughs> the Department of Health and Human Service Centers for uh, Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, um, as it's often called, uh, they get their own rule on about vaccines and testing for your people. So you have to go there to see what you need to do. Now, I'm not going to get into all these other standards in this episode because believe me, the OSHA ETS for employers with over 100 employees, it's enough. But I just wanted to make a note there of those other standards so that if you fall under them, that you do go out there and make sure you're in compliance. Because it's confusing, especially with all the press and the 24-hour news cycle going back and forth between these very standards. Let's turn our attention back to this new ETS from OSHA that that i got my hands on. Okay, so I don't physically have my hands on it because people, this thing is big. <laughs> I have you know an electronic version. But... Um, I'm not gonna be able to cover this entire rule, but I'm gonna break it down into three simple parts to go over the major highlights. Number one, who does it apply to? Number two, what are the requirements? And number three, are there legal challenges? Especially considering this rule is less than 48 hours official at the time of me recording this. Okay, number one, who does this rule apply to? So as I've said already in the top of this uh, episode, The ETS covers most private employers with 100 or more employees at any time while the ETS is in effect. Now, in counting to get to the 100, you count employees, including part-time employees, temporary workers, and seasonal workers. And you count employees at all locations, including those who work remotely. Now, switching to another part of that is which employees are subject to these requirements, which is a little bit different question than how you get to the 100. So all employees are subject to these requirements except for employees who do not report to a workplace where other individuals, such as coworkers or customers are present. Um, All employees except those while working from home. It applies to all employees except those who work exclusively outdoors. Now, there's some FAQs that the DOL put out that talk about this outdoor issue, and they say that working exclusively outdoors requires the employee must work outdoors on all workdays, not routinely occupy vehicles with other employees as part of work duties, and work outdoors for the entire workday except for de minimis time spent indoors while other individuals may be present. Now, note Before we go into number two here, (laughs) that they are uh, um, having you still count all of these employees, okay, as part of your 100, as to whether or not you're 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 going to be subject to this. It's just that some of the employees are not going to be subject to the requirements. I know, tricky, right? So that means you got a stay-at-home employee, for instance, they count as whether or not you actually get to the 100 um, employees and are fall under this ETS. But yet, if they're fully stay-at-home and they never come into the office, they're not going to be subject to these requirements. Isn't that tricky? So, (laughs) all right. So, turning to um, what what do they want you to do now? Okay. What is the compliance piece of this? So, um, let's take each of those in turn. The big one, vaccine and testing. All covered employers must establish, implement, and enforce either a written mandatory vaccine policy or a written policy allowing employees to choose either to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 or provide proof of a negative COVID-19 test at least weekly and wear a face covering subject to limited exceptions so we've got two choices two two sort of routes that the employers that fall under this can take <clears throat> all right so you know one of the pieces of this ETS is really that you have to determine the employee vaccination status of your workforce. So it requires the employers to determine this of each employee, um, whether they're fully or partially vaccinated. And the way you do that, according to the ETS, is you require the employee to provide acceptable proof of vaccination status. And so what is this acceptable documentation proof? Well, they've made it pretty clear. It's uh, and a copy of um, an immunization record from a public health, state, or tribal immunization information system, a copy of medical records documenting the vaccination, a copy of the COVID-19 vaccination record card, um, an immunization record from a healthcare provider or pharmacy, a copy of any other official document stating the type of vaccine administered, the date dates uh, that the doses were uh, administered and the name of the healthcare professional or clinic site administering each vaccine dose. Then they go on, if the employee cannot provide proof in any of these forms, they still can, um, the employer can still accept a signed and dated statement by the employee if the employee attests that the vaccination status they have is fully vaccinated or partially, and they attest that they've lost or otherwise um, been unable to provide proof um, as required by the ETS. And if their statement says in the following language, I declare that this statement about my vac- vaccination status is true and accurate. I understand that knowingly providing false information regarding my vaccination status on this form may subject me to criminal penalties. So um, kind of giving an interesting alternative there for sure. But, uh, you know, whether the employees are going to want to say that. um, (laughs) I guess it depends. Um, So you'll just have to kind of work through these issues and have a point person as to whether or not you're going to have the right documentation. Because once you go through this part of figuring out who's vaccinated or who's partially vaccinated, now you know who has to get further vaccinated, right, if they're partially vaccinated. You got to figure out um, who isn't vaccinated at all, and then, you know, go to the next step of, okay, well, how much of the workforce are we going to be needing to mandate the vaccine or are we going to go this testing or voluntary vaccination um, route. Also, um, the one thing they said about this is if they don't, if the employees can't provide this proof, so the ETS says then they are just sort of declared um, and should be treated unvaccinated. So um, if there was some sort of resistance there of the employee being able to prove or wouldn't provide the the form and wouldn't provide the statement, then what they're saying is you have to treat them as unvaccinated under this ETS. Okay, switching to paid time off, which was on everybody's mind when we heard that there would be some sort of paid time off requirement related to this. So what, what it says in the ETS is the employers have to provide the employees with both A reasonable amount of time for getting each primary vaccination dose or doses, with the FAQs saying the employers cannot require the employees to use accrued sick or vacation time for this purpose. They also require up to four hours of paid time, including travel time, at the employee's regular rate of pay for getting each primary dose, (laughs) although the FAQs do say that this pay is only required if the employee gets vaccinated during regular working hours. The FAQs further clarify that although employers must pay employees for travel time spent to get vaccinated if during working hours, they do not need to reimburse employees for travel expenses. Uh, Also, if the employer, um, the employer also must provide the employees reasonable time off and paid sick leave to recover from side effects experienced after each primary vaccination dose which I was always like, well, how long is that? And who, you know, how are we documenting that? And in the FAQs here, they state that, you know, that's gonna be capped. Um, the employers can cap that time for recovering side effects um, uh, that a cap of two days per dose is generally reasonable. So, um, now it was interesting too that the FAQs clarify that an employer may require an employee to use accrued paid sick leave to recover from side effects but may not require employees to use accrued vacation time if the employer provides separate sick leave and vacation time. Um, and that they, they, uh, they can't require the employee to take an advance against paid sick time that is not yet accrued. So that's gonna come all down to how you have that policy written, right? As to whether or not what your options are there. Uh, okay, so the testing requirement, so any employee who's not fully vaccinated must comply with specific COVID-19 testing protocols. And the ETS defined which tests may be used to comply with these requirements. But the ETS requires the testing to be as follows. An employee who reports at least once every seven days to a work for, workplace where other individuals are present must be tested for COVID-19 at least once every seven days, and provide documentation of the most recent COVID-19 test result no later than the seventh day after the employee last provided a, te- a test result. An employee who does not report to a workplace where other individuals are present for seven or more days must be tested for COVID-19 within seven days before returning to the workplace, and Provide documentation on that test result at the time of the employee's return. So we were kind of wondering how they were gonna handle that and that's the way they've decided to handle it. So um, so having to, to follow that sort of guidelines with the testing is gonna be tricky for sure to make sure that you get all that timing right. Okay, face coverings. So in addition to this testing requirement, employees who are not fully vaccinated must wear face coverings when indoors or in a vehicle with another person for work purposes except when alone in a room with floor to ceiling walls and a closed door they're very specific about that um for a limited time uh while eating or drinking at the workplace or for identification purposes to comply with safety and security requirements um uh they have to um wear a face covering except while wearing a respirator or face mask um, or except where the employer can show wearing face coverings is infeasible, or it somehow creates a greater hazard that would excuse compliance with these requirements, such as it's important to see the employee's mouth, the work requires the use of the employee's uncovered mouth, or wearing a face covering presents a risk of serious injury or death to the employee. Employers must ensure that employees properly wear the face coverings and replace them if wet, soiled, or damaged. So if you have an employee that does have a wet face mask. For some reason, they're saying that the employer has to ensure that the employee replace that, and that employers generally cannot prevent employees from voluntarily wearing a face covering if they want to, unless there's a safety issue. Okay, so we went through those. Now we're on to the documentation because, you know, um, of course, that's going to be a big piece of all of this. Um, just. Really, in summary, the ETS requires that, you know, employers to keep the records of the employee's proof of vaccination status um, and the COVID-19 test results presented by the employee or conducted by the employer. These are, of course, going to be all falling under your medical records and must be kept confidential, right, and separate from the regular parts of the employee's file. Okay, so that was a whole bunch we went through. and, And there's still more, right, out there about this, but that was the big, big, um, highlights. I think that um, I kind of wanted to just sort of walk you through, if you're familiarizing yourself about what all of the different requirements are. Now, finally, number three that I that I promised you I would talk about: are there legal challenges? Oh goodness, yes. <laughs> Remember all those promises by everyone? Uh, not everyone, but so many, uh, so many promises to sue. Sue um, Biden, uh, President Biden, when he made this announcement. Well, if you aren't a fan of this uh, ETS by OSHA, don't you worry. There's a mass flurry of lawsuits out there. And in the Department of Labor FAQs, I, you know, when I was reading it, they were, you know, definitely ready um, that this was going to happen. They had already known it. Everyone knew it uh, because the very first FAQ talks about the state law conflicts, which of course we've been seeing, um, that would conflict directly with this new ETS. For instance, the state saying, hey, it is illegal for an employer basically to require employees to um, get vaccinated. Um, obviously, that would be in conflict with the new ETS. So how did these Department of labor FAQs approach it? The first question is, how is the ETS affected by state laws that prohibit or limit employers' authority to require employees to be vaccinated? And basically, they said it doesn't because, they said, the ETS preempts states from adopting and enforcing workplace requirements relating to the occupational safety and health issues of vaccination uh, or wearing face coverings, and testing for COVID-19 unless it is a federally approved state OSHA plan. So that's, that's where they're handling it. They then say specifically, OSHA intends for the ETS to preempt and invalidate any state or local requirement that bans or limits an employer's authority to require vaccination, face covering, or testing. So, um... Okay, so so there's multiple states that now have sued <laughs> over uh over the employer um this and these requirements in this ETS um for employers with over 100 employees. So you know um we we knew that, but I it has been pretty quickly established. Everyone was apparently prepared. They published it, and then you know here we are. Um, you know, not long after it's been published and and these and these states have already stepped forward and brought suits. So um, the states so far on the list of the multiple states um, include Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Missouri, Arizona, Montana, Nebraska, Arkansas, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Alaska, New Hampshire and Wyoming, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina and Utah. Um, and there are other states, of course, um, including Texas. So <laughs> um, many, many um, stating various arguments that they have and their problem with this, but um, coming, boiling down to kind of these arguments of it's illegal for OSHA to do this, it's unconstitutional, or OSHA just lacks authority to do this. And many seeking an injunction of some sort to stop the the enforcement of the law um, or some other way to challenge this new ETS by OSHA. And I'm sure these, all these challenges are going to be a moving target as we watch this play out. I mean, in closing, you know, feel free to scour the internet and devour all that is about this rule and whether it will survive these mass legal challenges it has coming. But for me, the train has not even left the station on that yet. There is so much that has to play out. Uh, so many different legal arguments um, to get into the nitty gritty of it all. Uh, but meanwhile, as a company leader, you're really having to walk this timeline tightrope. Remember, you can't just decide, you know what? I'm just going to see how these legal challenges play out, and then I'm going to I'm going to require a vaccine on January 3rd, 2022, the day before the January 4th, 2022 deadline you know depending on which vaccine someone gets you know they may have to get a second shot 2 weeks after the first so this this all takes a lot of planning even if you decide you're just going to go you know um go forward and give them the option it still requires planning right so so if you're sitting here with no plan <laughs> okay well let's you should get a plan together and <laughs> that would be the first thing um you know you need to figure out are you covered under this So, or do you fall under one of those other federal contractor healthcare employer requirements I talked about earlier? And then you need to take appropriate steps in compliance with confidentiality, of course, to determine the employee vaccine status of your workers, as I talked about, and getting that documentation in place so you can kind of do an assessment. And then going to, you know, you're going to have to decide, make a plan. um, And it's better to have that knowledge if you're going to be doing this mandate option, which is tricky, uh, but the other part's tricky too. Um, um, but the mandate option—you know—you're going to have to probably go through all the accommodation request processes of potential medical reasons or sincerely held religious beliefs on why people are not getting vaccinated. Or do you track the ETS and um, and give the choice that they give you, right? And do the other option where you 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 give the employees the option to choose this voluntary vaccination, or the weekly testing. And that's a whole nother set of tricky preparation. So if you go to the testing option, what do you know about testing in your area? Where do employees get tested? Is the testing that they're gonna be getting is making sure it's in compliance with what's required for testing. Um, Where where can they have it done? The cost of the testing, the timeline of how long it takes to get a return on those tests. While the ETS doesn't require the cost of testing the employers, um, it doesn't require the cost of testing uh, that the employees have be paid by the employer, there may be other laws that apply to you depending on which jurisdiction you're in uh, that require you to pay for it, such as a state law. Also considering how will this change your remote workers? So if you are doing a hybrid where you have these remote workers come in you have to think about how that plays out with the, with what I was talking about earlier. And um, because they're then, if they're not vaccinated, going to have to fall into that testing realm as well. So unless they're fully remote and they never come into the office, right? So a lot of people chose that hybrid option uh, back when we were talking about developing hybrid workforces, and now they're kind of in this other situation now that they have to sort of work through. So Um, And then are you ready to properly track PTO for those getting the vaccine and the recovery issue that we talked about? And then creating a policy with all the decisions uh, that you decide of all these things we just talked about because you're gonna need a written policy. Um, It's important if you think this is confusing for you as a company leader, uh, it's more confusing for the workers because there's just a lot of moving parts here. Uh, A lot of different, different ways, that an employer could choose to implement uh, this and be in compliance. So there's some some flexibility that allows for, I think, also confusion. So you need something real clean and some policy that's super clean that shows where you stand on each parts of these compliance issues. You know, um, with this ETS and what documentation you need from the workers. You know, then there is the you know the training of the company leaders on the new policy so that they know what the policy is and they fully understand it. And then how are you communicating and rolling this out to the employees and making sure it's rolled out in a way that it's clear who the point person is or several persons will be to field the questions um, that may come in from the workers or that may come in from the company leaders on what to do in certain situations, because it's hard to write a policy to cover all the potential issues you may run into here. So. Now, if you remember in episode sixty two I talked about um I said much of this is unprecedented, um meaning that in these exact facts have not really um and the uses of power have not occurred, uh which makes it legally interesting, but um that's also legally <laughs> difficult and challenging because um everyone doesn't really know sort of for sure how. Um, how it's all going to play out and each side of course thinks that they're right so um, but what we do know is that OSHA has not been in a pandemic and used the ETS before in this way that's that's for sure uh, and and they may have reasons why they think that they've done similar things but that's that's the the truth of the matter is that they have not been in a pandemic and used the ETS before in this way and 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 in episode 62 I talked about those two cases that, um, I see the United States Supreme Court and federal federal courts um, talking about and using here because we saw the federal court in Houston using them here in the Methodist vaccine requirement case over this past summer. Those two Supreme Court cases are old from 1905 and 1902, well before OSHA was enacted in the 1970s. So do I think, um, will, will I get my wish of a new Supreme Court case? Yeah, I think I'm going to get it. Uh, I think it's inevitable. I mean, did you see how many states are are challenging this law? I mean, it, 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 um, it's going to be a, a, a huge issue. Um, and I think I'm going to get my wish of a new Supreme Court case on the power of OSHA and on the power of the federal government as it relates to vaccines. And then, no matter which way it goes, one way or another, This will change the landscape of what power OSHA has, and how far it can go. Especially when it comes to their emergency powers and what they have to prove to stretch their legs and use those powers. Especially into the area of mandatory vaccines addressing what they define as a health risk in the workplace. I'm sure this will not be the last episode (laughs) as America um, and Americans are fired up about this issue. um, And frankly, it affects so many different people and company leaders like you. But for now, I'll leave you with that. And that's the legal skinny on should employers mandate vaccines, part four. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Legal Skinny podcast. I would love for you to go to www.legalskinny.com forward slash review to learn the super simple way to leave me a review to tell me which topics and guests you like. I value your thoughts and your review helps me support more company leaders just like you to grow as a leader themselves and to grow successful teams. I also drop the link in the show notes if that's easier for you. And while you're there, check out all the other resources I have for you as a company leader. And don't forget, our disclaimer to remember legal skinning is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not men to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.